Hi guys, it is so good to come before you today to bring the word of God. I bring greetings from Hope Unlimited Church in Hyderabad in India. Uh, we love Expression Church. I've been there a few times, ministered a few times. You know, greetings to you all, especially big shout out to Pastor Peter and Kara Perumala. You know, this is another Perumala bringing in greetings to the Perumalas back there. You know, Peter always says that he is the he is the good looking and I'm the wise. All right. You know, that's what he always thinks. Beauty without brains, brains amounts to nothing. All right. You may talk to your pastor later after the service and you can talk to him. Hey, you know, I'm really excited this morning to be bringing the word of God to you. And I have a word in my heart that God put in my heart, especially in the last few months. You know, as um, you know, as we all have been going through this crazy time, you know, times like we've never experienced before. You know, what's our response to that? You know, people are divided. Communities are divided. Families are divided. You know, nation is divided. And the churches are divided with different opinions. All right. And we're not here to take a stand of what's the right opinion, what's the wrong opinion. I believe we need to just refocus and just go back to the book, you know, where we have solutions. We look into the word of God and, you know, look for answers because I believe with all my heart, even though it looks like, it seems like that God is losing control over the lives. You know, when you look at the world events, especially what, when you observe things that are happening in the Middle East and all the crazy things that happens over there and, you know, the constant hatred, the constant, you know, animosity towards one another, it looks like almost God is losing control. But I want to tell you that God is absolutely in control of everything. Amen. Nothing would happen without the will of God. You know, sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we have questions we cannot comprehend. You know, I'm sure we all have questions. In fact, we're thinking, what's going on? Why again? You know, it's almost like people have been hit once and then slowly rising up from the ashes and bang comes another one, another wave. You know, people are talking all kinds of waves. You know, what do we, how do we respond to that? What's the response to that? How do we handle something like this? And I believe that God put in my heart a sermon that I was doing like a series at our church. And I want to share, you know, some of those things that God has put in my heart. I believe, you know, in these difficult times, even for pastors to stand up and instill confidence is not very easy. Because, you know, the, the, the pain is real. The suffering is real. I'm sure each one of you, as you sit there, you know, you've been through those moments, you've shed tears, you've been, you know, you've been traumatized and you, you've gone through a lot of pain and suffering, you know, and I want to be sensitive to that. You know, it's absolutely real. The pain is real. And sometimes we wonder where God is and what's happening in our lives. Why wouldn't God do something about it? Now, that's a million dollar question now, all across the globe. People from all kinds of faith would ask that question. If God is a good God, why all these evil that's in this world? Now, we can't really you know, take time now to look into all those. But I want to really tell you how the nature and the character of God would never change just because of a physical circumstance. Maybe we, we, you know, we may not see everything change around us just like that. But I believe it's a progressive thing. It's a, you know, it's something that can start right now. And I believe with all my heart that even before God does anything for us on the outside, there needs to be a significant change on the inside. Our values, our perception, you know, our faith, the, the, the way we look at things, the way we, you know, give into the hands of God when you know, things are not, um, you know, we can't comprehend those things. Now, how do we respond to that? But these are difficult times. You know, I have experienced this, especially in the last uh, you know, few months, you know, 
when India was going through a terrible time, you know, we had like 300,000 cases every day. Now, you know, it was like, you know, everybody were talking about uh, an Indian. You know, people in our church were, were going through a tough time. You know, I've, I've known families and people, you know, who've gone through a lot of pain, you know, suffering. People have lost a lot of money on medication just to you know, keep their health up. And um, I've never done so many funerals in my life like the ones I've done in the last 20 months. And, um, you know, at times like this, you know, everybody goes down. And I believe the biggest, the biggest and the most prominent thing that has happened as a result of this pandemic is isolation. And that has been killing people. I, I think more than, more than, you know, the virus in itself, I think isolation, you know, just being, you know, could cut off from community is playing you know, havoc in our lives. And so how do we handle that? You know, what's our response to that? While I was praying at a time when we, you know, when we started our services back again, you know, people were divided again with all their opinions and people were saying, you know, why do we need to run services? And some people said, you know, we need to run services. I believe, you know, as leaders, we need to be standing in front line and speaking a voice of faith and victory and hope. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. Even though there is devastation around us, there need to be somebody who would rise up with the mantle of God, with a great assurance in their heart and just refocusing ourselves, you know, onto God and just saying, God, what is the direction that you are pointing towards us? You know, where do we need to head towards it? And I believe that's what I've been doing in the last, uh, I don't know, maybe three to four months. And things have been changing. Today we run you know, four services on a weekend. We have about 800 people, you know, 750 to 800 people in attendance. There are still a lot of people who are staying at home and we fully respect their feelings because the fear is real. You know, the feelings are real. The suffering is real. However, I believe, you know, for too long, 20 months, just looking into, you know, what's happening around, just thinking about what's happening, you know, even listening to a friend or a family or just even in our home, you know, losing a dear one is a very painful experience. But in the midst of all that, we need to rise up to fix our eyes on God. So I want to talk to you about how do we handle fear? Because I believe fear is the beginning of fear is the strategy of the enemy to, to come into our life. It's almost like we're given a foothold to the enemy through fear to come into our lives. And it comes in as small as a thought or a word that we hear. Or something that we see and then it just begins to you know take a deep root in our spirit off you know it starts in our mind it just begins to grow and if you don't do anything about it if you, you know if you're not intentional to arrest it and you know cast it out or just you know deal with it it kind of takes a deep root and then now it begins to bother us because we fuel it with our meditation and then it becomes so real much more bigger than what it actually it is and then now it begins to trickle down into our hearts to become a part of our belief system. So I want to talk about, you know, what is fear? How do we handle fear? Because there is fear all around us. You know, there is fear constantly through the media, through friends. You know, when you talk to somebody, it's, it's constant fear. Now, I'm not saying that these are not facts. You know, the, these are the facts of life. The numbers are real. All right. And, uh, you know, those are the real things. But in the middle of all that, what do we do in order to, to keep our hearts protected from fear entering into our lives? So I want to talk to you, you know, some of the 
some of the scriptures and I want to just talk to you some principle as to how we can deal with fear. I want to talk about, you know, fear. What is fear? Fear is a most powerful and a primitive human emotion. It alters us to the presence of danger. Fear is an emotional response. Fear is one of the most basic human emotions. It's programmed into our nervous system and works like a natural instinct. But let me also share with you from a biblical perspective. Fear is not a feeling. It's a spirit. It's a spiritual condition. Fear originates out of the kingdom of darkness. Fear is the tool of the enemy to attack. Fear is the, is the, is the tool of the enemy to, to cause faith to dispel. There are people who are suffering with and struggling with. You know, right now, even as I'm speaking, you know, you're handling and you're dealing with and you're trying to overcome. And it's almost like you're not trying to think about it. Fear of sickness, fear of uncertainty, fear of failure, fear of death, fear of rejection, fear of change. You know, just, just changing in itself is a fearful experience for some people. Fear of being judged, you know, the way you look, the way you dress up or even the kind of family background that you come from or you know right now what's happening in your world you know it's so easy for people to judge you and did you know that church people can be really hard sometimes now i was just doing um, in a sermon on a fence and i said the closest hurt the deepest isn't that true the closest hurt the deepest and you know when when you're judged it it, it, it affects us Fear of accidents. You know, I've just was counseling somebody a few months ago, a family, a series of accidents, losing somebody, sicknesses, you know, broken bones, all kinds of things. Fear of accidents. Fear of just something bad or terrible is going to happen to you. You don't have a clue. It's almost like you have this nagging feeling something is going to happen. And that's not right. It's going to be evil. It's going to be wicked. It's going to be painful. You know, it's almost like, you know, you know that, that you know in your heart. And in your mind that some evil is going to happen. It's almost like it's kind of taken over you. Some people fear an evil spell. All right. Or even the power of witchcraft. Whatever it is. I don't know what kind of fear you're dealing with. But I want us to look at what the Bible actually talks about. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Now Paul was writing to Timothy, young leader, pastor. And he was writing this and makes a very profound statement. He says... For God has not given unto us a spirit of fear. I'm reading from the uh, New King James Version. 2 Timothy 1 and For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Not a feeling. Not an emotion alone. It's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit. It's a spiritual thing. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he has given us power, love and sound mind. So, I mean, you can always go back and just kind of analyze, you know, if you're dealing with some kind of a fear, it kind of affects your mental status. It kind of affects, you know, what you feel in your heart. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. It says, God did not give us a spirit of fear. It's a, it's a spirit. It's not a normal thing. It's a spiritual thing. Go to Romans 8 and verse 15. I just want to read another scripture to you to look into what the Bible actually talks about. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage. Again to fear. 
fear brings bondage. So he says, for you did not receive what? The spirit of bondage again through fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. The spirit of welcoming. The spirit of joining the family of God. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father, my Father. You are part of the family of God. So it says that we have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. But we have received a spirit of adoption. Now let me give you a couple of examples. The first thing that I want to talk about is, you know, I want to talk about how fear played a key role in the life of Job. Now every time we look into the life of Job, we always talk about how Job was a guy who, you know, who stood during the test, who went through excruciating physical pain, the very thought and you know, the, the very feeling of losing, he says, his entire family, his wealth on one single day. Seven sons, three daughters wiped out on a single day. The wealthiest man in, in the Eastern world back in those days, you know, kind of loses everything just like that. I mean, that's not normal. And I'm sure if you and I were in that place, probably we would have committed suicide. Probably it would have affected us or maybe, you know, it would have caused a heart attack. I don't know. You know, it's not easy. It's not a normal thing. And the guy went through some real pain, agony, and suffering. I want to read to you something very interesting from Job 3, verse 25. Job 3, verse 25, it says, Now this is what Job was saying. For the thing I greatly, what? Fear has come upon me. So Job was dealing with some fear in his life. He says, for the thing I greatly fear, not just a passing thought, not just something that's been bothering him once in a while. He said, it's a constant nagging fear, a thought that would, he wouldn't be able to get over it. For the thing I greatly fear has come upon me. Look at the second part. And what I dreaded has happened to me. That's how this what was he so scared about? What was he so afraid of? All right. Now, let me very quickly give to you this. All right. Now, because we don't really pay attention to a lot of this. In chapter one, it actually talks about it. Okay. Now, chapter one has got so much information. You can actually do a, a series of sermons. Okay. In chapter one, it says, you know, there's a testimony of God about Job. It says, you know, there was this man called Job, you know, who loved God, shunned evil. That's a testimony from God. It's a great testimony. Okay. Now, that's, a, that's, that's what God was talking about this guy. Now, when you go down, you know, apart, up, after it explains the kind of wealth he possessed, it says, Job offered sacrifices every day on behalf of their children. Now, why would he do something like that? Because deep down in his heart, he always felt that his children, seven sons, three daughters, ten of them, Okay, you can read in the scripture. It says, every day they were partying at one of their siblings' home. You know, they just went around partying. And Job was offering these sacrifices that originated out of fear rather than faith. Now, in the scripture, it says, Job offered a sacrifice, assuming that they may have, might have sinned against God in their hearts. So Job was constantly in a bondage of fear 
because he thought that his kids were doing something stupid or cursed God or maybe showed out disrespect to God or whatever form. Okay, so he was constantly offering these unnecessary sacrifices that evolved out of fear rather than faith because Jesus in the New Testament says, you know, it's not about what you do, but how you do matters because he looked at the people in the church. He said, these guys are all worshiping with their hands up, you know, they're crying, doing all that. But he says their hearts are far away from me. He was sitting by the treasury and the widow comes by and drops two, two mites. And when he looks at the widow, he says that she gave more than everybody else. You know, he was looking at the heart condition. He was looking at what's happening in your heart. If your heart is driven, controlled and filled with fear, then everything that you do is out of a, of a heart that is full, filled with fear. But if it is filled with faith, then everything that you do evolves out of faith. Now, did you know that Christians in church can be going to church and doing their religious duties or they, they know, even the giving out of fear? Okay. Oh, I didn't give my tithes this month. Maybe that's why I, you know, I'm having a struggle in my business. Maybe God is going to curse me. So out of fear, you bring it, not out of a cheerful heart. Because a cheerful heart comes from a revelation of what you do. Any practice without revelation becomes religion. Anything you can think about it. So Jesus was looking at these guys and says, you know, you're praying, but your hearts are far away. You're worshiping, your hearts are far away. You're giving, but your hearts are far away. When fear comes in, it dispels faith. When faith comes in, it dispels fear. They cannot coexist. So Job, even though he was, he had a great testimony. He had a profound testimony. People appreciated him. All right, you know. People saw his wealth. They recognized uh, the, 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 the hand of God on his life. In fact, you know, when he loses everything, you know, a very profound conversation that he had is with his wife. You know, his wife comes up and says, do you still want to trust God? Why don't you curse him and die? And then he says, naked have I come from my mother's womb and naked will I return. I brought nothing and I'm going to take nothing. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Man. Either he should be absolutely crazy to say that or he should be absolutely sure of the God that he was serving. Now that tells us something that, you know, you can be a Christian for a long time. You can have some great revelations. You can be, you know, you know, be involved in leadership or you can be even a pastor. You can be, you know, whatever. But when fear comes in, it is no respecter of person. It is no respecter of how spiritual you are. It can take you down. Even though Job had a great testimony, he was struggling with fear. And I'm sure there are people in the church, you know, your spiritual walk with God can be really great. And you know, what you do can be really great. But if you allow fear to come in, it's going to take you down. The thing I feared the most has come upon me. Wow, what a statement. Let me take you to another story. And I'm sure you'll be able to relate with this story from 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18 is an open battle. Between Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. I don't know. You would not see anything like this, anything like this in any Hollywood movies. One man against 450 prophets. De demonized. You know, driven, obsessed. All right. You know, empowered straight out of hell to do crazy things. Elijah stands up on, the Mount, on Mount Carmel. Now, just to give you a little background of the story. All right. This was a time when people of God, just like, you know, people in the church today, okay, there comes uh, an incident or a season where people's heart become cold towards God. And during that time, Elijah challenges his people. He says, hey guys, you know, if you believe that the Lord is the Lord, follow him. 
If not, just walk away. But don't be kind of pretend to be spiritual and in the world. So it was one of those moments, defining moments, when Elijah says, you know, either let be God be God or just walk away from God. And then he calls all the 450 prophet, prophets of Baal, all right? The guys who were influencing, the guys who were doing crazy things among the people of God. And that's where we pick up the story. Look at verse um, 1 Kings 18, 21. <coughs> and Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is your God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Next verse. Therefore, let us let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces, lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare another bull and lay it on the woods, and but I will not put fire under it. Okay, then you call on the name of your gods and I will call upon the name of my God. And the God who answers by fire is the real God. All right. It's an open public declaration. It's a very open challenge. All right. It's almost like, you know, Elijah needs to be absolutely sure of what he was doing. All right. Just standing. Otherwise, he can become a public spectacle of mock mockery. And, you know, you know, people, you know, he was going to lose his life. If, what if God didn't show up? All right. Just, you know, just think about what was going through this guy's mind. Verse 26, so they took the bull which was given to them and then they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until evening, until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was not a voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about at the altar which that they had made. And so at about in the afternoon that Elijah mocked at them saying, cry aloud for he is a God, isn't he? Come on guys, he should be, you know, he, he's God, right? Either he's meditating or... He's busy, or maybe he's taking a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and he must be awakened. In another translation, it says, maybe he's on the toilet. I mean, height of mockery is just, you know, just getting at these guys. Now, when you look at that, you know, we all go, whoa, that's great, Elijah, come on, bring down fireman, you know, that's great. But at this time, I think it's very appropriate to just bring in, you know, a point that James makes in chapter 5. I think it's uh, not when he talks about prayer. He says, Elijah was a man with passions like us. The word passion can be replaced with weaknesses, desires, flesh, struggles. All right. Uh, with our own you know, secret things that we struggle with. And I'm sure there are people like that because God doesn't look for perfect people. God looks for people who are willing, who are able to submit, commit. Just trust in God because we are all in the process of change because none of us have reached perfection. But it's a very profound thing. You know, James just brings it. He says, Elijah was a man like you and I. And when you read this story from 1 Kings 18, it's almost like a superman, you know, man who walked with God. Sure enough, he walked with God. He performed some mighty miracles, raised people from the dead, all kinds of crazy things. All right. But the guy was like you and I. He had his own moments and that's what we're going to look at, how fear can get, you know, your weak moment. How can he capture you and get a hold of you in during one of your weak moments? In James, he says, Elijah was a man with passions like us. 
He prayed for that it would not rain for three and a half years and it stopped. And he prayed back and it rained again. And then it goes on to say, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's in that context, okay? Now, why would he talk about a little about his character before he before what he performed? Because a lot of times we judge people, we analyze people, we create our respect for people based on what they do. Now, I'm more interested in the struggles that they go through. You know, how many times he wanted to give up? How many times he wanted to commit suicide? How many times he wanted to, you know, turn around and, you know, just, uh, you know, mock God and just blame God and walk away. But in all those moments, they stood their ground and they, there is something about these guys who learned not to give up. And that's what I want to talk about. Maybe it's some of you, you know, you're beaten up in the, during this pandemic. Maybe you've never experienced something like this. All right, you know, you're struggling mentally. I mean, I, you know, it's a different thing. But I was reading an article. It, it just talks about the mental illness that has rapidly grown. It's staggering, those numbers are, when you look at statistics. During this pandemic, people are struggling with mental illness. Domestic violence has increased. You know, abuse among the children or with the children has incre increased unbelievably. You know, these are all the side effects, you know, the other things that happened as a result of what we are going through. So how do we respond? What's our response to this? Look at this. Elijah was a man with weaknesses like yours and mine. But isn't it beautiful that God uses the ordinary, the stupid, the silly, that you and I, then he can empower us, he can use us. And it doesn't matter where you are, you know, it is, it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, says the scripture in Romans 2. It is the goodness of God, not the wrath of God, even though that's true. It's for an appointed time. It's the goodness of God. You know, isn't it beautiful? The Bible says that God has set his love upon us while we were yet sinners. While we were clueless about our eternity, about our future, about our savior. God set his love upon us. Now, we serve a mighty God. We serve an awesome God. Even though in our weaknesses, maybe there is somebody beaten down. Maybe you have a blue eye. Maybe, you know, the countdown is started saying 10, 9, 7. I believe that we can still rise up because we are called to be more than conquerors. Because there is something that God has already put in us. I believe. You know, look at this. And the scripture says in Corinthians, Paul writes, he says, But we have this treasure in this earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. There is this treasure. And I want each one of you to know maybe there is somebody really discouraged. Maybe there is somebody who's on the verge of giving up God. But I want to tell you there is this treasure right on the inside of us. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not yourself. That's why he said you're more than a conqueror. You can be beaten down. You may be down on the floor. But I want to encourage you that you can still rise up because God is on our side. He always causes us to be triumphant. He always causes us to be victorious. I don't know who I'm speaking with, but I just want to instill faith in you today. Because faith comes as you listen to the word of God. And as you listen to the word of God, when faith arises, fear is dispelled. Let's go back to the story in 1, 1, uh, 1 Kings 18 and verse 28. So they cried aloud, cut themselves up as it was their custom with knives until blood gushed out of them. All right. Now, <clears throat> 30, you know the story. Elijah calls everybody, hey guys, come on, come closer. I think, you, you know, time's up. All right. Now let me display what my God can do. All right. And then he calls everybody and then he calls on the name of the, the Lord and the God falls, you know, the fire of God falls down consumes the offering 
the sacrifice licks up the water in the trench and everybody falls on their faces. You know, anytime, anytime there's a, you know, this magnificent display of the power of God, people always come down and say, oh Lord, sorry, forgive us. Lord. All right. Great story. We all celebrate with, with this, you know, amazing victory of Elijah. But let's go to the next chapter. 1 Kings 19 and verse 1. Ahab went and told everything to Jezebel, his wife, that Elijah has done. And that he killed all her prophets with the sword. Now listen to this. Jezebel is King Ahab's wife, all right? So she, this lady was different, all right? And she was, she was demented. She was just so demonized that she can do all kinds of crazy things, all right? Look at verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, now look at this. The, the, the lady just sends a messenger. It says, tomorrow by this time, I'm going to do exactly what you've done to my prophets. I'm just kind of paraphrasing that thing, all right? So what she says, she's, she's sitting a few miles away, sends a messenger, says, hey, Elijah, don't celebrate too much. You know, <clears throat> don't open a champagne as yet. Listen to this very carefully. What you've done, all right. But you know what? Tomorrow by this time, I'm going to do exactly what you've done to my prophet. It's a threat. It's a word. It was a threat, all right? Now, look at verse uh, 1 Kings 19, verse 3. I, and I want you to please fix your eyes onto the screen or look into your Bibles. Because this is really important. And when, what? When Elijah saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, I want to spend a little time because this is a very key element. You know, just, just a day, okay? Just now, a few hours ago. The guy performed a mighty miracle, unbelievable, incredible miracle. I'm sure the word was going out. People were still talking about, man, this guy brought in fire. It just cleaned up everything. Right at that time, you know, while he was still lingering in the, in the taste of the success, comes the word, a word, just a word of a lady. Says, tomorrow by this time, I'm going to do exactly what you've done to my prophets. Elijah saw. It's a very interesting, you know, you need to actually underline that. It says, Elijah had not just heard, but he saw. And that's what fear is going to do. It can come through by your hearing or by your seeing or by, you know, you know, reading something. It, it, what happens is when, when, when the words of Jezebel came through, it kind of impacted him so much that fear gripped him. A man who had this great success, a man who was full of faith, was taken down in an instant of a time because of a word that came in. And Elijah allowed that to come in as fear and settle in his heart. To the point, now he started to see himself that she was, she's killed him. She's chasing him. Maybe she's torturing. I don't know what he saw, but he says, and Elijah saw he ran for his life. And that's what fear is going to do if you're not going to deal with it. You know, as I said, it's not a feeling. It's a, it's the most nasty thing that can come into your life. You know, first it comes in like a thought in your head and you leave it long enough there. It's going to trickle down into your heart and now it becomes part of your belief system. And once it becomes part of your belief system, that's exactly what you're going to speak. And once what you speak, it precedes your, what you possess. So it's kind of a chain reaction. That's why Jesus always said, take heed to what you hear. Take heed to what you see. Be careful of what you're hearing. Be careful of what you're seeing. Because in your seeing and in your hearing, your heart can get affected. Elijah saw and then he ran for his life. Very interesting story. Let's go to verse 4. 
But he himself went on a journey, a journey, a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree or a juniper tree. And he prayed that he might die. Aren't you glad that God doesn't answer all our prayers? He was praying, Lord, please kill me. I mean, not only Elijah, if you, know, if you go to Numbers chapter 11, a very interesting story at a time when people were asking Moses to give meat. Moses just, you know, the, the, the other side of Moses, the flesh comes and says, Lord, why did you make me a leader of all these guys? Am I, am I like a nursing father carrying all these children in my bosom? Who are these guys? Why even should I be looking after them? Where am I going to bring meat for all these like two and a half, three million people? If you're going to deal with me like this, Lord, kill me. Moses praises the same prayer. I am glad that God doesn't answer all our prayers. And I know that there are some people watching me right now. You've been praying some stupid prayers. And I want you to be glad that God doesn't take you serious. Amen. You know, it's very interesting. He says, Lord, I'm no good. Look at verse 4 again. And he sat down under the broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And said, it is enough now, Lord. Take my life for I am no better than my father. You know what? Fear messes up with your identity. He begins to see himself as a loser, as a defeated person. He says, my father, I mean, doesn't, not much is written about his father. Maybe he was a loser. Maybe he was no good. Maybe he, was a, he lost things. Maybe he was a failure. Maybe he was, I don't know what went into his life. Elijah grew up looking at his father and probably thought, I don't want to be like my father. Had an encounter with God. God dramatically changed his life. Then fear comes in and fear dramatically changes his perception about the way he looks at himself. And I know that there are people there sitting here and watching and thinking, you know, I'm no good. I'm no better and you begin to compare yourself you go into that crazy mode of trying to evaluate yourself and you think that you're worthless you have a low self-esteem but this morning I want to tell you that God has an amazing plan for your life you know his plans towards you are good and not evil but plans to prosper you and give you the expected end amen David says in Psalm 139, he says, For I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, meticulously, God has designed you. You are a masterpiece. You know, there can be nobody else like you. And I want you to look at yourself through the eyes and through the lens of God, through his word. And I want faith to arise in your heart that even though you feel low right now, you know, his perception changed. He had a very low self-esteem about himself. That's what fear can do if you don't deal with it. How can a man who celebrated a great victory go down into a place saying, I'm no good than my father. In spite of all the success, you're now looking at, I know better. I'm a stupid. I don't think this is going to happen. Let's quickly look at how are we going to deal with fear, right? I want to talk about two aspects. You know, you need to be careful of your hearing and your seeing. I want to pick up a story from Mark chapter 5 and verse 22. Mark 5 verse 22, it says, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, named by name Jairus, came to Jesus, fell at his feet, and said, begged him dearly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. All right? Now, you know the story. You know, Jairus comes to Jesus, says, Lord, would you please come home and heal my daughter? Just like any desperate father. Now, as Jesus was on his way, there was this lady who was suffering with the issue of blood for 12 years, comes, interrupts him, touches the hem of his garment, gets healed. Right? I'm sure you know the story. Now, this lady kind of delays the moment. And Jesus stops by and says, who touched me? Peter says, you know, Lord, everybody's touching you. People are rubbing this stink on you. And you're asking, who touched you? And he was waiting. And I just think about it. You know, J J Jairus was desperate. Lord, doesn't matter who touched you. Come, let's go. You know, can you, can you hurry up? And I'm sure there are people who said, 
Lord, can you hurry up, please? In fact, one of the Psalms that David says, Lord, would you come speedily? I love that word. Would you come speedily? Maybe that's somebody's prayer today. It says, I've been praying that prayer for so many weeks, months. Lord, would you show up speedily? All right. Now, anyways, okay. So Jesus stops by, deals with the woman. Then while he was speaking, verse 35. Someone from the ruler's house come and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the master any, any further? Now, while he was kind of, this whole thing was going on, there was this guy who runs up to Jesus, uh, sorry, to, the, to Jairus and says, hey, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. You can just come home. Now, look at verse 36, very profound. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken. Now, it was a, it, it was a fact of life. Was he telling lies? No, it's a fact of life. And fear comes in in the form of reasoning. Fear comes in in the form of being natural, lo lo logical, all right? And then, you know, it, it sounds very natural, all right? And it, it, it's nothing spiritual about it. So the guy brought in, the messenger brought in uh, a fact of life that you're always dead. As soon as Jesus heard him, even before Jairus responded, look at what Jesus said. Uh, verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not let fear come in, only believe. Because the guy had some faith and he was believing that Jesus could heal her. Now, as soon as he heard the word, the word had the potential to destroy the faith that he had in Jesus. Now, Jesus, knowing how faith can enter into somebody's life and can dispel fear, as soon as he heard it, he said, don't, Jairus, don't. Be afraid. Don't let fear rule you. Continue to believe in what you had a while ago. Amen. And another story from Exodus 14. Pharaoh changes his mind after 10 plagues. Let's go of the people. Then he changes his mind again. He says, no, get back, get, get back my slaves. All right, in verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. Behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see them no more again. And for the Lord will fight you, fight for you and you shall hold your peace. You know what? You know, the Red Sea, the, the Pharaoh's army, you know what they saw, there was fear. So you can hear you can see and faith can come into your heart. All right. Very quickly. Two things that I want to talk about. How do we deal with fear? One, we need to pray. Philippians 4 verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will rule and reign your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, very interesting. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications, let your request be made known unto God. All right. Now, listen to this. When anxiety comes in, sets in, fear sets in, when fear is the author of anxiety, when fear, anxiety sets in, then your praying is affected because you're praying a repetitive prayer. You're praying a prayer without faith. You're praying, you know, just for the sake of praying while your heart is disconnected from what you're praying. He says, be anxious for nothing, but let everything, let everything be uh, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Look at this. And then the peace of God. When? When you're free from anxiety, when you're free from fear. So pray until your fear is taken away. If you have to pray in tongues, you just keep praying until there is peace. Just keep praying. If you're praying in a language that you know, just keep praying. So the point is, keep praying until anxiety is removed. 
keep praying until there is fear removed. So what happens is you can be praying and there is this amazing peace that descends in your heart. And that's a spiritual thing. So when that comes, you know, even though your world is falling apart, you have this absolute surety in your heart that God is going to come through. And that's what I'm talking about. Let's quickly look at the next one. All right. And I'm running out of time. The second one is really important. All right. When fear bombards your head, amazing scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, the second thing that you got to do is you got to take captive of your thoughts. You got to take control of your thoughts. All right. Because God has given us the authority. All right. So it's almost like an, a, you know, a prescription, like a doctor gives. All right. So there are things that you need to do. You know, it's not just praying alone. You got to pray until. So he says, taking captive every thought. How do we deal with the thoughts that come into your mind? All right, sometimes thoughts can go really crazy because fear can propel thoughts to become like real life experiences. Now look at this, it says casting down imaginations because uncontrolled thoughts will go into imaginations. Imagination is image initiation, all right? People will begin to see, okay, you're affected, okay, you're losing business, you're failure, and all kinds of negative things. And they become so real in your head, now it becomes part of your system. It says, casting down imagination. Now, I take authority over that thought. And I bring it under the subjection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bring it under the subjection of the word of God. What does the word of God say? God says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He says that you're more than a conqueror. He says a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your side, but it will not come near you. So I take authority over every thought that doesn't align itself with the word of God. And I take captive of it. Who's going to take captive? You got to take captive. You're going to take captive of it. So I say, you say, God, in Jesus name, I bind that thought, Lord, and I bring it under the subjection of the word of God, under the subjection of, of, of Jesus Christ. And I say that you are no, you, you have no permission to arise. You have no permission to explore. You have no permission to grow in my head, but I, I cast it out in Jesus name. Casting down imagination. Literally, you got to take it and throw it down. And everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Maybe your fear has, is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Maybe your imaginations are exalting itself against the knowledge of God. God said that he will, he loves you despite where we are, what we have done. You know, he's, he's gracious God. He always wants to restore us. All right, but when the enemy comes in, he messes up with your thinking. Maybe there is somebody who's messed up in your head. And I want to encourage you, taking captive. You got to take captive today. Using the word of God and bring it under the subjection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to pray with you right now. I'm sure there are people you know, sitting today in the church or maybe watching a recorded version at a later point, it doesn't matter. If this relates with your own condition, maybe you say, I'm so much like in Elijah's place right now. I was so good. I was doing well in my business. I was doing well in church. My family was doing good. My family relations were good. My kids were doing good. You know, my world was pretty good and I was quite happy about it. Looks like everything has been messed up. And in a moment of time, you know, you're from, you know, you're from Mount Carmel uh, in the wilderness under the juniper tree, praying and begging God to kill you. You relate yourself with Elijah. But you can pray today. Pray until faith arises in your heart. You know, taking captive of those thoughts and imagination and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Come on, let's do that together. Why don't we all stand up for you?
You know, if you guys can just stand to your feet, just stretch forth your arms. I don't know, you know, even as the team plays a little background music, you know, I want to pray to you, pray with you. I want to minister to you. I want to allow God to minister through his Holy Spirit today. Father, we thank you, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, we commit our time, Lord. We pray, Father, that you, Lord, invade our, each one of us, Father, with your presence, God. Holy Spirit, I pray. May this word take a deep root in our spirit. And Father, I pray for everyone who's struggling with fear, Lord. I pray for everyone who's battling fear, Lord. I pray for everybody who's battling anxiety, Lord, depression, Father, mental illness, Lord. The, they have lost the ability to, Lord, to rightly divide, Lord, between right and wrong. Father, may the presence of God fill our hearts, Lord. God, you know the condition that each one of us is in, Lord. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord. May this word become relevant, Father. May this word become powerful. May this word become liberating to each one of us in our own, in our own situations and in, according to our maturity, O God. So, Father, we pray, Holy Spirit, move. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I take authority, Lord, over every spirit of fear, Lord, every, Lord, every, every thought, every, Lord, every reality, Lord, every fact of life that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Lord, what we measure, Lord, Against is the word of God. And anything that exalts itself, Lord. Father, we take authority. We take captive of it. And we bring it under the subjection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray, fear must go now in Jesus' name. Because of the authority you've given to us, Father. Depression must go now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray, touch your people, God. Father, I bind and I break that spirit of fear, anxiety in Jesus' name. And we release freedom, Father. And I pray, Father, protect us, Lord, from what we hear and what we see, Lord. Let faith arise in our hearts, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. Touch your people, God. Church, I want you to just reach out, Lord. Reach out to the Lord. It's a beautiful moment. Just, you know, just under your breath, you can just pray and say, God, would you minister to me? Would you talk to me? Would you set me free? Would you bring me out of this? Enough is enough. Come on, church, take this moment, seize this moment, and just say, Lord, I just believe in your word. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to give an opportunity to anybody who's never made a commitment to follow Jesus. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you have you know, been in the Lord and you've gone away from him. Maybe there is somebody who's watching or you're part of the service today and you've never accepted Jesus as to be your personal Lord and Savior. I want to give you that opportunity without any questions asked. If you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross for your sake, and if you believe that you are messed up and you have done things, you know, sinful things, and you need a Savior, Jesus is our perfect Savior. All you have to do is believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth, and God is going to give you a new beginning right in this place at this point in time. So if there is somebody like that, would you repeat this after me? Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for speaking to me. I make a choice to receive Jesus into my life. Come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. And I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your spirit, God. In Jesus' name. 
Father, I thank you, God, for your word today, Lord. I pray your blessing upon Expression Church, Lord. I pray for your blessing upon the pastors, Lord, the leaders, Lord, the elders, Father, people who are playing a key role. I pray for wisdom to prevail, Father, to make the right decisions, Father, Lord. Bring them in unity, Father, Lord. Put them together, Lord. Lord, bind them together, Lord. And I pray, Father, that there will be no division, there will be no dissension in Jesus' name, but, Lord, that they will provide direction to the church, Lord. I pray for increased abundance, Lord. I pray for a season of miracles, Lord. I pray for a season of blessing, growth, and increase and prosperity to come upon this church, Lord. Father, I declare, Lord, numerical increase to come in Jesus' name. Spiritual increase to come in Jesus' name. Financial increase to come in Jesus' name, Lord. Bless your people, O God. We thank you, God. We thank you for your word today, Lord. We celebrate your goodness and we rejoice, Lord, and we thank you, God, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Come give the Lord a big shout of praise. God bless you. Guys, we're going to see you. You know, see you soon. Thank you so much for watching us. And I'm just praying that God would continue to protect you and keep you all safe. God bless you all.